Today I have Antonio Dawkins, someone who is very close to me. Welcome to my podcast, Antonio. Thank you for doing this. If you want to just start by introducing yourself to us um, and everyone else. Hey, how everybody doing? My name is Antonio Dawkins. Um, like Zoe said, somebody that I'm close to. And uh, thanks is going to be great, man. So um, I just want to start off by defining um, what generational trauma is to you and what it looks like. Um, so I get a little personal on that one. Generational trauma to me, um, like how I grew up, is never seeing anything positive. Um, everything I seen growing up was something dealing with, you know, the streets, prison, death, um, and then it goes it goes down the line. Like my my grandpa was in the streets, in and out of prison, uh, was a big drug dealer and all of that. Um, my my pops, my father, same thing. Um, he spent fifteen years in prison, and uh, my older brothers, some in prison. Some of, some of my brothers actually just came home, uh, and I have brothers and I have sisters that's, that's dead. Um, mm. So kind of like it's like a, a trickle effect because when you're not shown something, I feel like you become more prone to become what you see. So mm. that's the person trauma to me. Totally. Um, so, so that's your experience with it um, as a child. But how, as an adult, have you been transforming yourself to kind of, like I said, do the work? Like, what work have you been doing to kind of, because I think that we, um, as a generation, to stop or um, or investigate these things that we know as general trauma, I think we have to confront them and have conversations around it, but also do the work and trying to... Um, work on ourselves and work on our, our families that, you know, we have now. Like, something that I do now is just kind of make myself a resource to the younger people in my family or to the older generations. I like asking questions and um, finding out new things about, um, especially as an adult. Like, I've been discovering a lot about generational trauma just from interviewing my not interviewing, but having conversations with the generations before me because I have that privilege. Um, and I find that a lot of the things that they went through, I have been going through. So I have been trying to do the work in, in ways of being a resource to the, the younger generation below me, like my little cousins my that I consider so close to me, like brothers and sisters. Um, and kind of not stopping, but... Um, maneuvering or I don't know how to call it but I have definitely become aware of it to uh, to change some of the things that I, I'm sure that they they could have changed before you know what I mean just by having these conversations we're, we're doing the work in my opinion so what work would you say that you're doing um to counteract or kind of confront generational trauma? So with me, uh, first things first, uh, my mom taught me to lead by example. So she always, like growing up, she always told me like, you're gonna be different, you're gonna be the one that make it out. But I never really wanted to listen to it until I started getting older. And I started seeing my younger siblings and even my older siblings and people where I'm from, like when I succeed in something, that kind of gave them like drive, like, they would hit me up, and be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? 
I see you doing this in the third. You motivate me to do this. You motivate me to do that. So first thing I did was make sure I graduate high school, um, college. Nobody in my family graduated high school before. Mm. So I took that as a you know a, a stepping stone. Then when I got to college, um, I made sure that I graduated. Even though I played football, and you know football was my main my main goal. I made sure that I gave my my younger siblings and you know people that look up to me something to see like just hardware. Like okay, if he can do it, coming from my situation, I can do it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I you know I, I want to do. Um, second off, everything I do is for motivational purposes. So like I started my own clothing line called Undefeated Underdog, and with that, like that just the name of it is basically we wake up every day. And nine times out of ten, we're facing odds. Mm-hmm. None of us were supposed to make it. Uh, even at birth, you know, babies die at birth. Mm-hmm. So you're against odds at birth. So everything we do is going against the odds, and you're automatically an underdog. But I say we stay undefeated because mm-hmm. even though you born to lose, we're going to keep winning. So, like I said, everything everything I, I want to do is leading by example because mm-hmm. we can talk the game all day, but if we're not doing it, not really giving nobody nothing to look at. Yeah. So it started with your mom. Like, your mom was the one person who was like, you're going to be different. I feel like we all had, like, not all, because some people don't even have that. It just comes from within. But, and I think that there was an additional, your motivation. Um, yeah. It just kind of, it, it flowered from within. But you also had this one person, like your mom, who yes. was like you're you're gonna be different? How, how can you describe, or do you think that um, like your relationship? What am I trying to say here? Um, oh shit! <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so you said your mom was kind of that person, that influential person for you to say, hey, you're going to be different. Can you talk more about your mom's experiences and how she was able to confront generational trauma and then therefore provide or be a resource to you to kind of create this chain reaction of like, you know, we're going to be different. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Well, my mom, like, she didn't, she didn't get to go to college or nothing like that. But she always had it in her mind, like, that that was something that she wanted to do. So from a, from a young kid, like, I wasn't, I never thought about going to college. I didn't think it was possible to go mm-hmm. to college from where we from. Because I, I just never seen it. But she used to always mention it, always, you know, say different stuff. Um, and then my senior year of high school came. Cause I didn't, I didn't get to play football no year in high school except senior year because I kept getting in trouble and I, I, I was living situations with myself. Wow. And um, my coach told me, he was like, you either going to sink or swim. He was like, you can sink and, and become all you know and become what you what you see every day or you can swim and be the one kind of lead everybody to the pond. Um, and my mama, she used to say the same things. But it, it didn't really click until like probably my first my first scholarship offer, uh, offer for football. Mm-hmm. That's when it really, really hit me. And then everything she always told me, because it was a lot of things she told me growing up. I really never 
paid attention to. Like, I never, like, was like, yeah, you just talking or whatever. Like, how can you tell me to do something and you didn't get to do it? You know, stuff like that. I was kind of, like, bashful, you know, because I, I thought she was kind of pitching fairy tales to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but she always just pounded it, pounded it, pounded it, pounded it. Like, even if it was from me playing, with me playing pop on a football, a day that I, I didn't want to go to practice or something like that, I had the type of moment to be like, no, you're going to get your ass out there. I don't care about what you're talking about. You're going to do this. If you ain't trying to be great, you're not going to do it at all. Mm-hmm. So that's my mindset because she, she's done stuff like that. Even when I wanted to follow my brothers and do what they was doing, when I was doing what they were doing, in school, like, she always, when it comes to grades, she was always on my head. Like, hey, man, you need to do this. You need to do that. You saying you want to go to college? You got to do this. You got to do that. And even though it looked like that plan was failing, everything she said helped me because senior year came. I got a little bit of a little bit of room to to do certain things, and everything she said got me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Shouts out to Black Moms <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, really, no. Like, that, I feel like black moms are undefeated. Like, they just, I've, I always think my mom, because she never got to do a lot of the things that I did. And she knew that putting me um, in an environment where I would learn more from other people, um, like, I always say that was, like, the best thing that she could have ever done for me. Like, because she knew that there were certain things that she couldn't do for me. So she put me around people and environments for me to thrive and learn um, from different communities. And I, I always praise her for that. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Black Moms. Um, but, yeah, so from there, do you do you ever wish, um, if you have the privilege, are your grandparents still around? Uh, some, yeah, yeah. Some of them. Yeah. Do you, if you could, if you have the privilege, what questions, like, what do you ask them? Like, would you be curious to know, like, what they would be doing? Well, if you don't already know. Yeah. But would you be curious to know, like, what they were doing at your age or what was going on and how you could relate some of those things? Like, if you had yeah. some questions, what would they be? Oh. Uh, what would they be? I mean, I've asked a lot of questions. Like, I've asked my grandma a lot of questions. I've asked my great-grandma a lot of questions, my grandpa. Um, and, man, at my age, <laughs> they was, you know, they was doing their thing, like, in the streets, wives, whatever. Um, like, Where's everybody from, right? Where's everybody from? We're everywhere. So we got family from New Orleans, Louisiana. We got family from uh, Florida, New York. But mostly down south. Mm-hmm. Mostly from down south. Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, that area. And then a lot of family in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I was out born in North Carolina, so yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, just, you know, because um, I found myself in certain situations, like, for example, racism and stuff like that, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and I I know my, my grandma could relate to it because she used to always mention certain stuff to us. So uh, it was one particular incident that happened, and I got blamed for something, basically a robbery that I had nothing to do with. Um, and I was the only black person there. Mm-hmm. Came down to it, and they said that's that's why you know, I would blame for it because the girl said I was the only black person there, which was bullshit. But uh, yeah. 
I asked my grandma, like, about racism and all that stuff, like, how it was for her growing up. And she basically just told me, like, how she she been places and they spit in her face. And she was one of the people that was, like, you know, they got water holes and all that. Mm-hmm. And then it make you kind of look at things different because it's, like, different parts of slavery. It's not that far off. True. Like, my great-grandma used to be out there, like, picking and, you know, mm-hmm really own farms and all of that. And, and that wasn't what, that long ago. No, nah, it wasn't. And that's she wanted to, one of the people that raised me. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy like just to sit there and hear some of her stories and for example, like my grandma used to always my great grandma used to always say the <laughs> stupidest thing in the world. We're driving, if you cut on the light in the car, she'd be like, Hey, you gotta make sure you turn that light off. Police they're gonna lock you up for that. That, that light being on. Yeah, I think everybody heard that story. But that's yeah, not true, apparently. No, nah, it's not true. But I didn't realize she used to say that because of racism. Mm-hmm. So she used to say that because she know, like, white cops, you know, you know, whatever, wherever they at, mm-hmm. if they seen what color that person was, then there was a, a, a bigger chance of them messing with you or, yeah. you know, trying to do some type of harm. Mm-hmm. So she always say, you know, cut that, cut that light off. Right. Yeah. Or if you or if you sleep in the room and you got the lights on, she always be like, "Hey, you gotta make sure you cut these lights off because them, them people will come through, or the police will come to the house and all that stuff." Mm-hmm. Just because she she was so like kind of traumatized by mm-hmm. certain things, so it was a lot of questions I asked, man. I can go on and on about, about that. Yeah. So through all those questions that you asked, like, what is the general concern for you? Because I feel like we have a lot of resources. Because we are faced with present-day slavery. Like, some of that stuff is still going on. Prejudices and um, um, inequity is just all over the board. It's still happening, not as uh, loudly and legally, but it's still going on. And I feel like we have a lot more resources, like uh, like things that we're doing right now, talking to each other, um, Therapy. I, I see a counselor sometimes um, when I need to. I feel like that's my main concern for um, the generation before us. I feel like they never had a chance to really talk um, or or uh, comfort each other in any way or find some type of outlet. So through those questions, um, let's get back to that. Like, what is the general concern for you? Like, as a generation listening, it's like, what that was going to be my next question do you think that our generation is capable or responsible for um nurturing um or can be nurturing to this older generation that who who may have um these recollections recollections of trauma every day do you think it's possible uh, yeah, I think it's possible. Like, uh, one big question I used to ask my grandma, and I, I used to ask my mom the same thing, like, why is our family stagnant? Like, why are we stuck in this position? Mm-hmm. Why is everything around us so negative? Like, why can't we get a, like, not why can't we, but why is nobody getting ahead? Why is mm-hmm. everybody inside of going to prison? Mm-hmm. Or the students dying and stuff like that? It's ask this type of stuff all the time. Like, why is it like this? Um, and I do feel like our generation, because it's so many, so many of us have such an impact on so many people. I feel like it is up to us to really change the narrative. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're starting to see it more and more. You're starting to, like, the graduation rate for, for black males and females is through the sky right now. You know, we got the highest, the highest rate. Um, and you're starting to see success, not just behind the scenes, but you're starting to see it in your face. Yeah. So I feel like we are, we're more motivated now because we get to see it more. We're not just seeing activists and, you know, don't get it wrong, activists plays a, a huge part. Mm-hmm. But that's only one part. That's just, that's somebody that's trying to motivate you. But we actually see somebody doing the things that you desire to do. That kind of change everything. Like they kind of really put fire behind your ass. Like yo, I, I can do this. I gotta go get it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you think that like a part of doing the work is literally doing those things that they never got to do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like I, when I, I went to China, I stayed out in China for a few months. My mama cried when I was about to leave. Mm-hmm. My grandma cried when I was about to leave because yeah, they probably been to five, six states in their whole life. Mm-hmm. Never seen anything out of the country or, or nothing like that. So just by, it's little things, like little things, man, that we can do to really... Well, that's a big thing. Traveling is a pretty big thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. See, we might we look at it as something little, but it, it is. It yeah, is that's that's a big thing. A lot of people don't yeah. get to experience that. Yeah. Um. But on the other side of that, I feel like the older generation may see see us as soft or, um, or see us kind of negatively if we don't take advantage of certain opportunities. They have every right to. You think so? Yeah, they have every right to because, excuse my language, they got their ass whooped, you know, for different different reasons, trying to fight for different things that, that's given to us. So why are we not taking advantage of it of it all? Like, why are we not taking advantage of, you know, the economy, the housing market, uh, everything dealing with money? Like, why are we not taking advantage of something that the world drives off us from? Like, mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing in this world would, would go the way it goes right now without people of color. Yeah. No market in this world. Nothing. So I feel like we got to take advantage of what's in front of our face. Yeah. Yeah, they got a right to be mad, for sure. You think so? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that all of us are just obligated to be some big ass multi-millionaire or billionaire mm-hmm. or you know to have this strong impact but I do feel like we obligated to just do things the right way like I feel like we obligated to for example I'm not saying you gotta graduate high school but I feel like you should yeah cause it's people like my pops didn't go to high school yeah. he got kicked out of school in the 8th grade and was in and out of prison since that date so me i felt like even when i graduated i wasn't excited or nothing like that i was like that's what i was supposed to because nobody like my grandpa my grandpa want to say he didn't go past the fifth grade mm-hmm. like i don't think my grandma graduated uh like a bunch of us so it's like if it's right here in our face why are we not you know what i'm saying like why mm-hmm. are we not stepping towards something positive I ain't yeah. saying you gotta be talking twenty four seven, but do something that'll kind of like put you over there at home. Yeah. And, uh, 
I agree to a certain extent. I think that if you can, if you can find the will to take and and you do truly see and are afforded um, those opportunities, I think you should definitely take them if if that feels right. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. But I do think there is some type of like pressure on our generation to be so so successful and. I think that's that's it's like that because it's really no excuses now. You think so? I feel like we're different. Like, no. I think we're dealing with totally different animals. Like, not totally different. Some of the same stuff, but I feel like we have a few more um, acting for, oppression. For sure, for sure. Yeah, we definitely. Yeah, we definitely have. You know what I'm saying? We definitely have that. When I say I feel like there's no excuses. Yeah. I feel like. It's so many ways, like so many ways to to become something now. Yeah. Like it's not now. Don't get it wrong. It's still, you know, roadblocks. But now there's so many more ways to go around them roadblocks. Yeah. Like so, it's like I just don't. I just don't feel like like for example, you got people who who might have been homeless and nowhere to live, but they were still going to school every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they come from the worst family situations, or you know, they never seen nobody make it, or whatever. But they're still striving to do those things that they never got to see, but they're still doing those things. So I feel like now we got the internet, we got like, we just got so much motivation around us mm-hmm. to actually be something, man. Yeah, yeah, that's the. I feel like that's the. That's what we strive to do, um, and I wish that for everyone. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot more investigating to because you know a lot of situations are are so different, and people's um, mentalities and like people are just—it's such an individual experience. So to compare. Like one person being homeless and having the willpower to someone who may be, you know, experiencing something completely different. I think it's really hard to compare. And I think that's what a lot of the things that we do um, right now, like, especially in like what I'm talking about, like comparing older generations to now, comparing each other in the same generation, like comparing ourselves to our peers. I feel like. It's just is no comparison to be made. Honestly, I think it's a yeah. very individual experience, um, and we have to take that in, into account. And I think that's something that um, our previous generation doesn't take into account as well. Um, while I want to nurture and be um, a vessel for the generation before me, I still like to confront um, microaggressions or behaviors that like you know we could do without you know what i mean like yeah, the older yeah. generation i feel like they're just so set in their ways bashful. They bash. oh bashful it's they're they're kind of bashful so like i like what like i said while i like to nurture these things ask questions um witness and accompany them in their journey to um telling me about their stories i also like to be like hey <laughs> here's what we're doing now and here's what's been helping us um, so that we don't carry that to the next generation. Especially, for, like, for my kids, I don't want them 
to experience certain things like that bashful nature you know like you're not doing anything why you know we had to you know how grandma bring out the one story about her picking in the you know i'd be like oh oh relax (laughs) but uh, (laughs) but i still listen but yeah just that comparison i feel like is is really triggering and it can be really i don't know what what do you think i I, it seems to motivate you but do you Um, i don't feel like the bassness would have motivated me if I didn't have that person in my ear. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I, that's one. That's one thing I do feel like. I feel like we, none of us can do anything by ourselves. Yeah. Old myth of being self-made and oh, I did this on my own. That's, that's BS. We all need somebody. Like, no matter if it's mentally, physically, you know, whatever, whatever it is, we all need that one person. Mm-hmm. Or some somebody. Some people might need a couple people to, you know. Really a community, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the, the bassness, that's definitely something that could tear you down. Like, and make you but but not not become something. Or, you know, become It, it can be discouraging, you. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, so everybody takes take things different, and it depends on what it is, who in your corner. Mm-hmm. Um, like, your, your path, like, it's not a traditional path in yeah. the eyes of the generation before us, for sure. Like, yeah. going into that type of career, football career, is just not the the traditional thing to do, and it's not a certain thing. So, like, how for you explaining that, has it been difficult explaining that to generations before you, or have they just always been, like, super supportive? Oh. Nah, they haven't always been uh, super supportive. Um, for example, I got an older brother, and this is my sophomore year going in. Yeah, my sophomore year. It was that summertime, um, and I was home. And I was doing things that I was taught to do. You know, I was doing certain things like I was in the streets, you know, doing wrong things. I'm gonna just say that, mm-hmm. and. My brother, my brother said something that kind of like lit a ball in my, in my in my mind. He was just like, um, he told me and my my other brother like that we should move a certain way. And I said, Nah, I'm not moving like that because I'm about to go to college. I'm about to go back to school. Mm-hmm. And my brother was like, he started laughing. He like, you gonna end up like us anyway. So I mean, what? Why? You know what I'm saying? Why it matter? Mm-hmm. And for probably like a week or two. I really didn't talk to him. Like, it just kind of, it hurt me a little bit because I'm like, dang, my brother, he talking like this. And it's somebody I love dearly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then I realized he ain't seen different. Mm-hmm. So his motivation level is, is a little bit different. Now, I could have been somebody to be like, ah, yeah, you right, you right. Yeah. But with, like I said, I had somebody in my corner that was always on, on my ass, like, yo, you got this, you got this, which is my mama. So that, that, Going up against that, there was no way that I would let something like that tear me down. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Other people might not, like I said, they might not have that that person in the corner. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was to say something like that, they gonna feel that they gonna really become what what they were what they were told. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's it's it's, it's kind of hard, man. Like you said, nobody's situation is the same. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't take things the same way. Yeah. 
if there was anything that you could do for um, the generation before you um, or past generations, what, what would it be? Like, if there's just one thing, it could be a simple thing that you could provide to them. Like, that one thing that you just really feel like could have been of, of any type of benefit to them. It could be really simple. Financial literacy. Why? Um, I feel like that play a big role in the classes and why things are so different when you go to other races and you start getting to the wider side of things. Uh, like there, I'm not racist. I'm, I'm saying I'm just I'll put that disclaimer out there. But I feel like from birth. Certain things are, are set in stone for uh, a, a white kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you have parents who've been passed down generational wealth, riches, um, and different knowledge about a lot of different things. So you might have a five-year-old kid who already has 600 stocks in his name by the time he turned 18. Mom and dad don't have to do nothing for him. He already has $1.5 million to build off of, and he already has this land that's going to be given to him and, you know, these properties or whatever, because their parents were taught that. So now it just go, you know, it just go down, because now he's going to do that to his kids. Just Mm -hmm. go down. And then on the other hand, you have parents who weren't taught certain things, and then, for example, we joke about it a lot, but it's a mess up situation. Like a lot of, especially for my generation, parents put stuff in our names. We're five, six years old, but we have cable bills in our name and uh, whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? Cars in our name. And we, you know, we're young. Mm. So when you get older, your credit is automatically messed up for something you had no idea, you had no, because they felt like, you know, it wouldn't harm you in the long run because they wasn't they wasn't taught certain things. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I would say financial literacy too because we have people who living in the worst situations. They living in the middle of the hood, but you go outside and they got a brand new Mercedes Benz outside, and but they own you know Section Eight, so yeah. all of their money is is going to them son. Mm-hmm. It's not about getting an actual, actually ahead. Everything is about, I'm, I'm, I'm show off. I'm, I'm going to show you, like, I just, so with me, for example, I told myself my first three years in the NFL, I'm a, I'm keeping my car that I, that I got right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying anything. Um, I was blessed to have a, a couple different situations, but I told myself, like, even if I did have those situations, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with my mom my first three years in the NFL, save up, invest in different things, and then go from there. Um, that's another thing with with black families. Your whole life you hear, oh, once you turn eighteen, you out the house. Once you turn eighteen, you out. Oh, you grown now, you grown. But those white families, y'all the same age, but those white families, they let their kids stay in the house. So they mm-hmm. graduate college, they yeah. come home. Work the first four years, five years, they didn't have to pay no bills. They stacking their money. Their parents teaching them like, "Yo, do this. Uh, we're gonna help you with this. Mm-hmm. We're gonna help you with that." Like it's not as bashful 
as the, the black community is when it comes to that because black black people how we treat things if I'm 26 and I'm living with my mom oh you broke oh you yeah. live with your mom oh you this oh you that mm-hmm. why y'all not saying that to Joshua <laughs> Yeah, I've never understood that. Ooh, um, that has been one thing I've never really understood um, or found sense in, um, especially when um, higher education is glorified. So, like, if you went to college, you know that we're coming out with a little bit of debt. You're coming out with um, not guaranteed jobs. So you do need that, like time to go back to the nest prepare gather yourself because college is not listen that's a heavy experience i will say like it's not all cookie cutter just because you went to college oh you already have it made you know what i mean you have to come back and kind of gather um and recollect so i've never really and i think it's because of the miseducation because a lot of people black people who say that have never really been to college or understand that experience i had had a conversation with my dad a couple years back uh this is my junior year of college and we got so armed and i i I asked him i said how is it so that if i call you and ask you for 25 dollars 50 dollars you you never have it you say you can't do it but when my brother called home from prison, mm. he called me. He'd be like, yeah, Pop just sent me a couple hundred. Pop just sent me that. Or, mm, that's interesting. So I asked my dad, I said, "How? Like, why is it like that? And he told me, and this come from being, you know, kind of illiterate on, on different situations. He said, my, I never knew anything about college. He said, my whole life coming up, I always thought when you go to college, everything is, you know, you're in fairy tale land, like everything is taken care of. You don't have no struggles and all of that. He said, I can relate more to prison because I've been in prison majority of my life. He said, so I know the struggles of that. He said, I, I never knew. He said, just like me and your uncles and all of us, we don't know the struggles of college. Mm. And that's you tell us. And even then, sometimes we might think y'all over-exaggerating or something like that. Yeah. So I feel like that's a really interesting thing to think about. Like, and it also goes with that, like how it's really hard for older generations to nurture the the kid that has it together. You know what I mean? Like, or in their eyes are kind of successful. You know what I mean? There's always like this bashful or like unnurturing, yeah, unnurturing like uh, spirit around. Uh, youth who kind of are striving for something i don't know why but it's just a really weird like you're good so we're gonna leave you to the wolves type shit and it's really really weird to me um but yeah that's really interesting how he because he can relate to him he wants to nurture him in that spirit that's really interesting (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same. I feel like it's the same thing with, you know, with everything in everyday life as far as, like, eating-wise. Thanksgiving just passed. Most black families, they eat certain things. If you're a person who, who's a healthy eater, say you don't eat dairy products or you don't eat different meats or whatever, you're going to get bashed. Like, they're going to bash you. Oh, you're trying to eat cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need to eat this. Or you need to eat that. You mm-hmm. need to eat that. But oh, you think you're better than us. Yeah, you think you're better than us. Because yeah. they're not educated on a lot of things. Yeah. 
I don't think I'm better than you. It's just I seen this person's dad died at 43 years old from a heart attack and clogged arteries mm-hmm. from eating the things y'all eat. You know, like, so it's miseducation, not learning certain things, and just... Do you think really that different. black households have access to healthier foods? Yeah. You think so? Completely. Yeah, like, so you I can have- honestly say that even coming from where you grew up, do you think that your mother had access to, or did she, had access this, to healthier food? This is a crazy thing. Growing up where I grew up, if you came to my house, you was not going to see pork in my house. You wasn't really going to see beef in my house. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might have seen chicken and fish, but my mom was one of the moms like, we used to get mad because we seen everybody else eating all this meat and all of that. Yeah. My mom was like, oh yeah, this, uh, this veggie lasagna. Oh, this is this, and they don't got no meat in it. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, that's nice. And then we eating it, and it's like, oh, that's good. Yeah. So my mom, like, like I said, she was just one of the people. Like, she always thought different. She always seen different. Yeah. So she kind of educated herself on certain things. Now she wasn't a perfect, you know, person when it came to you know food and all that stuff. We still had our days where we pigged out, but for the most part, most of the stuff she was, she was. She was cooking up was was on the healthier side. Yeah, she went. Yeah, she went really with the. Do you also uh, think at that time, going back to the financial literacy um, that you spoke on, um, I think Joshua's parents also probably had different conditions, right? Just to start off there, um, just like this, we talk about generational wealth as well. That can kind of go hand in hand with trauma. Um, I don't think we can compare Joshua, the white boy's family, to um, every black family, right? I don't think every black family is um, financially illiterate. Um, No, no, not at all. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that to clear it up. Um, I think that there are some black families that can and have the resources to put things aside for their children or their family to to advance. But I think there's also some people who don't want to. <laughs> um, yeah, but also, like you said, that aren't educated on it um, and the, the benefits of doing such a thing like that. But going back to not every family, um, I think even if you're educating them on, on things like that, it can still be, I don't know. Um, I don't think it'll always come out that way. Is no, everything's yeah, a sure. choice. That's how I feel. Everything's a choice. But I also think that circumstances play into it as yeah. well. Yeah. So, right, like, so- if they have the choice to do that, I'm sure if a lot of people had the choice to do that and even know about it, but absolutely cannot right now, right? All right. So this is why I look at it the way I look at it. Because, like I said, growing up, I seen everybody want to be hood stars. Everybody want to be hood rich. Mm-hmm. I seen, you know what I'm saying, like people living in the middle of the hood, but you go spend fifteen hundred dollars on the outfit. Okay, so you're talking rich. about the hood rich folks. Oh no 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 no! no I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about just hood. I'm talking about people in poverty. Period. Mm. Like we have this, we had this thing where, where like I said, we just like we we like to show off. Mm. So it's different things that we do. Where that same thing that we just paid this amount of money for, we could have bought, say, 100 stocks. We'll start off at something small. 
But we could have found a way to invest in this. We found a way. Now, that's a lot of us, like I said, that might not know about it. But at the same time, certain things I do feel like is a choice because it's like down the street is a library and it has 100,000 books. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that we're laughing in, if we really wanted to, because like I said, we've been shown before certain people that were facing the same odds we were facing, they did it. So we can't keep telling ourselves, like, nah, man, what my situation is, nah, we can't do this, or, my, or I can't do that, or nah, I can't do that. Like, But can we acknowledge that not everyone has uh, that self-acknowledgement and accountability that's a fact. That's a fact. And, and strength to say, despite this, I'm going to do this? Yeah, that's a fact. That's true. Okay. I just want to honor those people as well because it's not always strength seems like for us um, it feels it's this thing that comes pretty naturally to to some people but to others it's not (laughs) or this confidence in self or like like I said this I'm going to do this despite it's not easy it's not easy it's not easy and it's not always identifiable like you can't always identify that I have these resources around me or some people just don't have them at all like we can we can acknowledge that like not everyone has the the resources the tools to even educate themselves on that um, yeah. And even if you provide this financial literacy to some people, some people haven't been to to, to school, have no elementary ele- um, education, um, like you were saying about your other, like your family members, to even yeah. comprehend what um, you would be talking about in financial literacy. You know what I mean? So that, that's why I say we all need that. We all need somebody. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like a lot of rappers, not even just rappers, but black people of power or like Jay-Z and um, T.I., they talk a lot about financial literacy. But I don't know. I'm not convinced that that'll be the solution (laughs) to what a lot of people need. I don't say it'll be the solution, but I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of like a stepping stone. That you would give, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a stepping stone, like Financial literacy, in I so financial literacy, I feel like plays a huge role when it comes to different things. So, for example, um, killings in the black community. You look at that most of the time; it's over something you know dealing with money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They like whether it's a robbery, whether it's a, a drug deal going bad, whether it's it's always it, most most times it's something dealing with with money. Trying to you know people out here trying to get it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like with that financial literacy, I feel like it'll, it'll kind of help different things because when people start changing the way they think, I feel like it'll, it'll lead to um, less senseless murders when it comes to certain stuff. You think so? In the long run, I definitely do. Because if it wasn't for people being in so much poverty, they wouldn't be out there trying to do those things that they're doing. Do you think they put themselves in poverty? Uh, nah, nah, not at all. Yeah. Some people born in a, a lot of people born in a poverty. Yeah. Like, 
Do you so, think that there are systems in place to make sure that they stay in poverty? Definitely. Section 8, for example. Section 8 is a, uh, I mean, it's, so, it's supposed to be assistance. It's not assistance, man. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got some people, like, that's living, they, they live their whole life, whole 75, 80 years mm-hmm. on Section 8. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not assistance. It's kind of like something that's going to hold you back. Now, for a short period of time, short mm-hmm. term, I can see, you know what I'm saying? Okay. But I feel like that's that's one thing that kind of hinders some people because... It also get- groups our, our black folks or folks of poverty into this kind of, like, community where they can't get out. I yeah. think that these systems have definitely grouped and made sure to isolate black folks of poverty um, and definitely keep them there because Section 8 or these like welfare uh, assistances they you can only they only afford them to you if you are under a certain amount of you know what I mean like income Um, and you never can if you show any type of advance they cut you off immediately yeah, you know, and then on top of that, you know, like if it's a husband or boyfriend or any any mm-hmm. type of male figure in the house, then you it get cut off. Mm-hmm. Automatically, Section Eight welfare, all of that, EBT. If it's a male in that house, it's automatically gonna get cut off. Right. So, do you think? Let's couple that with financial literacy. So, um, and also like two parent households. That that could be a whole thing that can. It's just, it's really sick. They make sure that we don't have literally anything. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that's, that coupled with financial literacy, I don't think, like I said, I don't know if it would help. I don't know. I'm interested to see that because if they do get this financial literacy and they make steps and strives to advance. Yeah. They kind of are taking a leap of like, hey, I could lose my my welfare, my assistance, and be yeah. in an even um, scarier situation for my family. So, yeah. like I said, it's 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 really tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. Uh, like you said, I do feel like the system is just kind of place to kind of scare us and and really take different things away from us. Like you just said, with that, um, some people, I feel like they are scared to kind of step out because it's like, dang, like, if I, you know what I'm saying, take this leap of faith, where I'm going to end up, end up at, like, this is going to be gone. This backing that I had, or this support that I had, this is going to be gone. So I feel like people are scared because that's, like, one of the only ways that they know. Mm-hmm. So to not do that, it's kind of scary because it's like, where do I go from here? For sure. And I think that's what older generations were definitely dealing with. Like, especially with the assistant side. Like, I'm sure, I don't don't know, but I'm sure that's one of the reasons why a lot of families generationally have to um, rely on assistance to to live. Or that's just like a step. Have you ever noticed, like, I was in someone else's house and I heard a conversation of like, um... That was actually some roommates that I had last year. Um, and that was just, like, a way of life for her family, right? Like, you get a certain age, 
you have a kid so you can collect assistance and income taxes. It's really, really weird. And it's like a thing that just trickles down generationally, even though she is in college. You know, like, it's just a lot of, like, generational um, traditions, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it that, but it may be, that are hard to beat or hard to unlearn. Even yeah. us in college, like, yeah. huh? When I first got to college, we had cat food and all that. I was eating oodles and noodles every day. Oodles and noodles. <laughs> <laughs> I was eating that every day. You know what I'm saying? Just because that's all. That's all I ate growing up. Mm-hmm. So it took for me to really kind of like, kind of like you know, start listening and start. Listening to the person that was in my corner, like you should do this, you should do that. I, I, it just it just made me switch a lot of different things up. Mm-hmm. Got there, like you know what I'm saying. With my mom being the way she was on, with certain certain things, kind of like helped change my perspective on, on all of that. Yeah. And, uh, That's dope. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for being here. Um, well, via FaceTime. Oh, <laughs> but just to end and recenter, redirect our energy, I just want to exchange a healing practice. Um, anything that you do to cope, or one of my things is I, step one, I isolate myself in my safe space. Step two, um, I kind of like cut off all noise, background noise, open the windows. Step three. Step four, um, I set a timer on my phone for 20 minutes. And then from there, I journal for the entire 20 minutes. Just write down anything that I need to let go of. And then I tear it up. Tear it up, throw it away. It's gone. What do you do? What can you share? What instructions can you share to us today? Uh, There's two different things I do. One thing is I, I train. Like when I train... Like, that's all I can, that's just, like, my my way to release. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another big thing with me, like, when I'm in the shower, sometimes I just cut off everything. Mm-hmm. Even Sometimes I might even turn off the lights. Yeah. Just sit in the shower, hot shower, close my eyes, and I just think. Yeah. Like, whatever's on my mind, I might sit in the shower for an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, but whatever's on my mind, just, like, talking, talking to the higher powers, like, this how you know this is this is what's going on. This is how I'm feeling, and just I just release. If you cry, you cry. <laughs> you know hey. it, it might be the moments. You know what I'm saying? You might be aggravated all day. Yeah. Sometimes you need to cry. Showers are underrated. Like yeah. late night showers, afternoon, evening, definitely yeah. underrated. So we're gonna say step one: take a shower, turn the lights off. Yeah. Step two. What what would you say? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. You want to close your eyes. Step, step four. We we skip three. Oh, we step. Oh, I I I go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Step one: turn the lights off. Two: get in the shower. Three: close your eyes. Okay, now we have four. Step four: just talk to yourself and talk to the high powers. Whatever's on your mind, let it out. Release it. Release it with the steam. Yeah, however yeah. hot, because <laughs> I like my showers on hell, yeah. <laughs> burning my shit off. <laughs> Release it with the steam. I love that. 
And if you can lead us through one workout that is just like so relieving, like what's what's one workout you can give us instructions for, for release and healing? Oh man, that's hard, man. Uh, mm, one workout that I would say work if you're really stressed out. I would say a ma- maximum reps on everything that you do. Mm-hmm. So say you you doing dumbbell dumbbell uh, curls. Mm-hmm. You just you say you had a tough day. The more and more you do, you really like even when you feel like giving up. You just breathe, close your eyes, just breathe, and just keep pushing. I feel like that's a way, like, to really, like, you letting all of that steam out, all that frustration that you had, mm-hmm. which you letting it out in a positive way, working out on the weights, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. So maximum reps on anything. Any and everything you do. Yeah. You, know, you can feel your body releasing, like, the tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can definitely, I work out, so I definitely, I feel that. And when I don't work out, I can definitely notice a difference in my daily, just daily happenings. Like certain things yeah. just piss me off more or I get overwhelmed easily. But yeah, working out is definitely one of those things. And showers, we can yeah. all, mm shower (laughs) but yeah thank you so much Antonio thank you for sharing I know this is like super rich um, topic and can be overwhelming but I think it's really how we do the work like this is a part of doing the work and trying to change um, for the better and for future generations so Thank you so much for coming. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Peace.